This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. My name is Ruby Compton, and I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve in Western North Carolina. Uh, we're a summer camp that's co-ed and residential and focuses on connecting children with nature. Before we dive into our topic, I want to introduce our other co-hosts. So let's start off with you, Beth. Thanks. I'm Beth Allison, co-owner of Camp Hacker and a partner in Go Camp Pro. I was an executive director of five children's summer camps in Ontario, Canada, and I'm now a consultant with my husband, Travis, and I specialize in leadership training. Thanks, Beth. Gab. My name is Gabrielle Real, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains of Quebec, and we focus on a positive girl community. Great. Thanks, Gab. So today's topic is recovering when things go really wrong. So on our previous episode, we talked about um, the literal poop hitting the wall <laughs> and how you train on bodily fluids, mm. and we decided to expand that and talk about when you have the big issues that happen at camp, um, the big problems, um, or that big scenario, maybe even some of those kind of worst case scenarios, and how you recover and go forward and train your staff from there. Uh, so Beth, do you want to tell us a little bit more about why we chose this topic? I absolutely do. Um, as camp professionals, we work really hard to prevent anything bad from ever happening to our place and to our people. We have all kinds of policies and procedures in place for all kinds of emergencies and also to prevent things from happening in the first place. But no matter how hard we try to see the future and avoid those kinds of disasters, we are always working with things beyond our control. The weather, insurance, uh, offer often bigger agency decisions, and of course, human beings. So we decided to talk today about how to take care of our place and our people when bad things do unfortunately happen. Great, thanks. So we wanted to start off this episode uh, kind of with a, a story from each of us, a personal story or a story that we've encountered, um, and maybe a little bit about what was done in the aftermath of, of that situation. Um, so Beth, will you start us off? Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, I've told this story a few times because it was kind of the birth of a lot of things for us in our camp directing career. But I think one of the hardest things that we ever lived through was our first summer directing together. And I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> um, it was our very first time at Glenmore together with staff that I didn't know very well and who had a lot of disruption in their lives at camp and uh, for the few years before we were there. And they hadn't had any real solid foundation built in terms of caring for other people and for the community. And they had absolutely no buy-in into the mission and why we were there. And because it was our first summer, Travis and I were really green and really raw. Even though we were camp people, we hadn't directed before. And we were dealing with all those little details every day of figuring things out. And we really didn't have time to sort of focus as much as we wanted to on building that community. 
And we were sitting in our office uh, one Tuesday morning. I remember it very distinctly. And this was like 20 years ago, literally. And it was about three weeks into the summer. And one of our 17-year-old staff members, whom we had brought with us uh, from another camp, came to us and told us that one of our counselors was out there with his campers drunk. And she was so upset that she had to be the one to come and tell us that. And we were just stunned. Like, we had no idea what to do. There were so many questions floating through our minds. We brought him in. And, of course, we had to fire him. And he informed us that he had stashed alcohol all over the site. And, by the way, we spent the rest of the summer finding cases of really bad beer um, during camp-wide games and things. And as he got really angry at having been let go... Um, he told us that he couldn't believe he was being thrown under the bus when everybody else who was underage and drinking on site wasn't even getting into trouble. And so, yeah, we spent the rest of the day bringing people into the office and finding out exactly what he was talking about. So apparently on the day off prior, when there were no campers on site and a lot of staff were in town on their day off, including Travis and me, a number of underage counselors were in one of our cabins at the beach and were drinking. And they were in, uh, they'd even invited some of the LITs to join them who had been given free time that evening. So that was even better. So by the end of the day, Travis and I had discovered that 15 of our staff members were involved. And way back in that first year, we had only had 30 staff members. So that was half of our staff. And one of our LIT directors had caught them that night and told them that if they had disposed of the alcohol, he wouldn't tell anybody. So we were just devastated and we had no idea what to do. And mm. we talked over hundreds of different issues that could have arisen from this incident. And we tried to come up with how we were going to handle it. And it was coming up on free swim and we needed to gather the staff and talk to them because we knew this was the only time that we could have sort of the two LIT directors and the LITs guard all of the campers at the beach so that no campers were around when we were trying to deal with the issue. And we dealt with that one LIT director separately. <laughs> Um, we then had all the staff meet us in the dining hall and we stood in front of them and we still had absolutely no idea what we were going to say. And Travis, who was visibly shaking, he was so angry. He drew a line in the dust on the dining hall floor and he stood there and he said, all of you who love camp cross this line. And the staff they were all sitting there looking really confused and they kept looking at one another like, is this dude serious or what's happening here? So they finally started to get up and walk across the line. And when the last staff, staff member had crossed the line, Travis yelled a very bad word that essentially called them all liars. And they were stunned. I was stunned. And I could see that he was so upset he could hardly speak. So I just started to tell them that we had found out what had happened on the Saturday night. And I could tell by their faces that a lot more than 15 of them had knew what knew what had occurred. And I could also see that a few of them had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. And I told them how incredibly disappointed we were in them, that we had put our trust and faith in them and, and that they had put their jobs, our jobs, the safety of people who were drinking at the beach in the dark um, and the future of camp in jeopardy. They had thought of no one but themselves. And because of their selfishness, we could have our grant taken away from the church. We could have parents take their kids out of camp and we could be shut down. And I told them that we've been trying to figure it out for hours and we were just at an absolute loss what to do. So I just looked at Travis and then I turned to them and said, this is your responsibility as a staff to figure out how to fix this. We will give you one hour to come up with your solution and we'll be back. And we walked out the door. 
Um, and it was just stunned silence. And I have to admit, I stood on the other side of the door for a few minutes and listened to what was happening before I walked <laughs> away. And one of the staff members of in a couple of minutes, who was not involved in the incident at all, and she was a second year counselor, she got up and she said, all right, folks, we have to fix this. And in less than an hour, they came to us and asked us to return to the dining hall. And they had worked out a very lengthy six-part plan that I think was much harder than we would have ever been on them. Um, and they included things like asking the chair of our board to come to camp so they could apologize to her as a staff for their selfishness. They took the first four hours of every day off each week to stay at camp and work on projects for camp, like real manual labor projects. They had a detailed list of these projects that they were going to accomplish, and they did. They finished them all projects that showed their love of the place and they donated a day's pay to each of them to purchase all the supplies that were needed for these projects. And it really was the start of all of us, um, of the understanding of the power that we have as camp people and what we wanted the mission of Glenmore to be. And the way that we handled it was not at all how we had planned and I'm not recommending that you necessarily do this. Um, what we did just happened in the moment, but holding them accountable for their actions, showing them that they could lose by not thinking of the big picture, showing them what they could lose and the impact of selfishness and stupidity was really something that hadn't happened for them before in their camp experience. And it's how the four S's were born. It's where they came from because we knew we needed to empower them to make good decisions. And we knew that we really needed to work hard at building community and helping them to know what we believe and finding those staff who believe what we believe. So it's where our intentionality in everything was really born. And some of those people yeah. didn't return the following year, uh, either through their choice or ours. Um, but the ones who did, and it even included some of the underage staff who had been drinking, were ready to be a part of something special and bigger than themselves, and were willing to be more mature and thoughtful in their decisions. So it was a real, it was a, a learning curve experience for all of us I think <laughs> but not one I would wish on any of you no. I think that's something that at at some point and maybe several points in camp directing you have that moment of I'm about to address the staff and I have no idea what I'm gonna say <laughs> and, yep that was and it <laughs> you get through it but it, it definitely happens well what about you Gab what's a, a story that you have um kind of a worst case scenario or something big I think uh, uh, for me, and I've talked about this before as well, but um, um, to sum up, uh, for me, it was early on in my career as a director as well. And and um, though my parents had been on the camp for on the camp property for a very long time, we've uh, at the we've only you know took ownership just under fifteen years ago. Um, so. Uh, when we inherited it, it is inheriting something that you haven't envisioned from the ground up. And um, so you inherit a lot of its um, uh, implicit culture. And so uh, I think about two years after we purchased the camp, there was a lot of, it was, it was the culture that was always there, but it was very strong and emerging, which was uh, a culture that was very, very toxic and aggressive um, within the staff. Uh, campers really enjoyed their time, but the staff, um, there was definitely a, pe a pecking order and there was a sense of um, self-entitlement -entitle and, and righteousness. And um, it got so toxic that 
myself as an individual, I felt like I, I didn't want to return. This wasn't something I wanted to be part of, and it wasn't something I'd experienced as a camper. And as a young staff member, I think I was sort of slightly protected. But as I got older, I could see how uh, it was just it was just unhealthy, and we certainly weren't being good role, role models. Um, and um, and uh, you know, as we we all hopefully have our good friends, and I had a, I talked to her about this situation, and she put it very bluntly to me. She said, "Either you quit." that's your solution, which is totally fine. Nobody would blame you for that. Um, or you change the culture. It's kind of up to you. You're the boss. You have to figure it out. Um, I was about 25 at the time. So that's a young, it's a young age to try to take on that type of um, responsibility. Um, but much like Beth, uh, uh, you know, it was really sort of, we have to figure out how, how our culture needs to shift. And, um, for us, uh, the ACT program came out of that, mm. and um, that's a that's something we can post in the show notes a little bit later. But what it really does is it helps individuals to be aware of their frustrations and communicate it to somebody that um, can help them, and then uh, as a team, they can uh, come up with a solution. So it basically means that you're responsible for your own feelings, and you're responsible for stepping forward. And it is what I liked about it was we weren't telling people to not talk we're saying there's a way of communicating and it's with somebody that you can trust and that you can move forward with when we when we presented that to our staff from the previous year when we were hiring we lost I think uh, a little bit above 75 percent of our staff wow because they did they did not want to buy into this and they did believe that camp was responsible for their happiness and that this is not how you know women you know, will always be catty. And this, these are actual statements that was told to me. And I said, I just didn't want that type of uh, individuals on our camp. So much like Beth and Travis, we either decide some people weren't coming back or they decided that they weren't coming back. And I remember our staff training and we had our activity heads in first and out of all of our activity heads, we had only two that were returning and activity heads are such a huge part. They need to know camp. And it was the first time we had brought in activity heads early because out of this massive group of people, only two were returning staff members. And, um, and, uh, yeah, we basically rebuilt our camp with still following the values of its traditions. And, um, and we said, how, how do we want this? What do we want this to look like? And it, we're, we're a much, much, much stronger organization because of it. Um, but it was definitely something that you sort of, you get kicked really hard mm-hmm. and you, you stand up and you, you dust yourself off and you say, oh, that, that was hard. <laughs> and then, and then uh, you try to figure something out. But, um, you know, you look for the people that believe in that, in, in that type of mission. Exactly. And that's, that's all you can do is... Um, the right of an organization is to say who they're going to hire and who they're not going to hire. And the right of a person is to say, I want to work here or I don't want to work here. And, and the organization has to present what type of organization they are. And the, and the person that's uh, applying needs to say, I agree or I don't. And that's basically what it comes down to. And um, that's what we've done and ever since. And that, you know, there's no looking back. I think the one thing that took me off off guard was about six or seven years after that incident, I felt like the staff had really, really 
got the message so strongly that I thought maybe I was repeating myself too much in our staff training. And I, that element, I, uh, the ACT program, I, I barely mentioned. I didn't do some of the things I normally do with some of our staff members in the diff- different stages, and I really regretted it. Mm-hmm. Um, things popped up uh, again, and it was so intense, and uh, we had to relook at it. So, um, But yeah. Yeah, it's like lesson learned. And, and I was right. very transparent with the staff. I took responsibility for that. I said, my bad, guys. This is why <laughs> I didn't do this. Uh, but you're bad because, you, you know, we're part of this together. It's not me against you type thing. Let's do this together. Let's figure it out. That's great. And it, I always think if even if you have to do it with less people, you are at least doing it with the right people. And you'll have less headaches, yeah. even if you have to figure out how am I going to cover all these areas because I don't have as many bodies. It's it's much better than just having warm bodies who are going to create havoc for you. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that st- new staff members, they, sh- they'll listen to you in sessions, but how they treat our campers and how they treat each other um, and how hard they work and how dedicated they are is going to solely come from their peers because those are the lessons that they learn from their peers. So if, if we show the, those, those new staff members, those type of people that care mm-hmm. and work hard and ask for help when they need to, then those new staff members are going to say, oh, that's how it's done here. Right. It's just how it's always been done here. That's how they see it. Exactly. Um, so that's why it's important to have that. But um, yeah, it's like, a, it's a, it's a kick in the teeth. It's a kick in the butt. Uh, you, you get really, you know, the wind knocked out of you and, and then it's a, you need a little bit of a, my, my cat, um, sometimes tries to run outside, um, and he's allowed out back, but not in the front cause there's cars. And once <laughs> I closed a door very quickly and he has a huge head and his head went slamming into the door oh, no. and he sat there yeah. for about two seconds, just kind of shaking his head like, Oh boy. I hit myself hard and that's how it feels. You you get hit hard and you just sort of sit there for a little bit being like, what just happened? (laughs) Slightly stunned. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, uh, Ruby? Well, so my uh, kind of big incident scenario, worst case scenario was, um, it's actually kind of an external situation because, you know, like Beth said, there are things that you can't always control that you as a camp director have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, um, so one of the, the pretty defining moments in my camping career is when, when we had a staff member pass away during the summer and, oh, wow. um, it was while I was working at YMCA camp and I was on the leadership team. I was not directing, um, but I was a head counselor basically. Um, and it was one of our day camp staff. That was our first summer of resident camp. It was the first summer we had done resident camp training. So everybody had stayed on site to, to build that staff community for that week. And then the day camp staff came in and out every day. And then our resident camp, of course, uh, folks lived on site. And so basically one of our staff members and didn't do anything wrong. I mean, she went with her boyfriend and another couple to an amusement park over the weekend while they were off. And we're in a car accident on the way back and died. Oh, All four of them did. How and awful. Uh, so we came in and it was in the middle of a session for um, all of our, our camps there were two weeks. And so um, it was in the middle of the session um, while camp was going on, while we had kids at camp. But then we had campers that arrived on Monday morning looking for this girl as their counselor and she just wasn't there. Um, 
And so the word got to us pretty quickly Monday morning about that. It happened, I think, overnight on Sunday night. And I just remember being in the office real early. I was usually yeah. in there pretty early. And my boss getting a message and saying something to the effect, this is going to be a really hard day for the staff. And so he said, y'all got to get all the admin folks down here. So we all got down there. They told us what had happened. And, you know, so we had our moment to grieve and freak out and feel. Mm -hmm. And then um, we went up to breakfast. And then after breakfast was when all the day campers arrived. And, and the two camps kind of come together and, and we do some activities together for a little bit. And so during our chapel period, we had, you know, the 15 admin folks, this is a camp of 600 kids, uh, the 15 admin folk are, folks are overseeing the entire camp, all the kids, while we pulled all of the staff and the directors told them what had happened. And it was, you know, classic camp. It was like, we have to tell you that this happened and now we need you to basically forget right. about it and go do your job for the rest of the day. And, you know, this is what we're going to be able to provide and we will tell you more details as we know, but you got to go, you know, be great with kids. Right. <laughs> and have a great day, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, it was just a, a, a crazy experience. And I think it's one that I felt like if you're in camp long enough, you will probably experience it just given the, the age group up with um, and them making good and not good decisions. You know I mean? Again, mm -hmm. like this girl didn't do anything wrong. Um, she, she wasn't drinking and driving. It, it wasn't anything like that, but it still happened. And so, you, you know, it's, it's the classic, like bad things are going to happen to good people. And sometimes you're going to have to deal with it. Um, as far as kind of what happened after that, they did a really good job, um, managing media. They kind of, our, our directors picked a couple of folks. I was one of the folks that talked to all three of them news channel uh, folks that day. Um, and the parents were really great. Uh, they, we sent out some good communications to the parents and um, talked to them about, you know, we are going to share this information with our resident campers because they're here, but, you know, we want to leave it up to you whether you feel it's appropriate to tell your, uh, your day campers or not because they're at home with you at night and you can kind of manage that reaction. Um, and, but it, I mean, it was on the news. Like I, I had several people come up to me the next day. Like we saw you on the news last night. You did a great, really good job. You know, and you're just like, this is so weird. It's so surreal because mm -hmm. we live in this camp bubble and you don't think about, um, everybody knowing your business, you know? Um, and the other thing that happened was our, our staff was invited to the funeral. And so, uh, they instructed us to wear our staff shirts. So the parents would all know that that was our connection to this girl um, and it was, it was on a session break. So our staff were able to go and, um, and you know, you move forward from stuff like that. You do, it's not easy. Uh, but, but you do. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was just, it was a really intense experience for sure. Um, wow. so yeah. And, and I think the other thing that I would say about that is, um, that, when you're faced with one of those situations, like it's, it's, you can't almost can't prepare for it. Like you just have right. to do, you have to deal with it in the moment. There are preparations that you can make and there, there's training that you can provide. Um, but there's very little that can be done to really prepare for something like that happening. Yep. However, you cannot act like it won't ever happen to you. And so, um, you may not be able to provide a lot of training for it, um, but you need to know and think through like, what am I going to do in this scenario if this ever does happen? So, um, that yeah. was ours and yeah. sorry to bring a damper, but you know, again, I think it's, it's a reality of the industry we work in and it's mm -hmm. something that we do have to face. Absolutely. We deal with people. Uh, when you work 
you, yeah, exactly. When you work with so many people on, uh, you know, um, these things happen basically is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it is, uh, like you said, Ruby, the, the longer you're in this industry, um, chances are you'll, you'll be part of something either, you know, by approximation or that it happens directly to you. Um, where mm -hmm. there is some form of tragedy or some form of very difficult situation and being prepared is, uh, it's, it's so important. Um, so that when you are kind of sm smacked off your feet, there's a plan that's, that's already in place yep. that you can, you yep. can hold on to. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we did when we, um, redid our emergency action plan here at green river we actually went ahead and wrote some of those communications that just the shell, obviously you're still going to fill in some details. Uh, but you know, what is that email that's going to go out to the family in the case of a group getting lost or, you know, if we have a camper die, or we have a staff member die, you know, those are not emails that you're like in a mind frame to sit down and write ever, <laughs> but especially yes. not right after the fact. And so to at least have the, you know, the shell of it there and all you have to fill in is kind of, okay, this is the statement we're going to make about this situation. Um, that I think is a really helpful tool to do. And it's not fun to think about, um, but it's, it's a great tool to have there available to you in case something does happen. Mm -hmm. um, so our next question is, is how do you talk to or train staff after you have a big incident, whether it's external or internal? Uh, so Beth, what are some tips you would share? Um, well, I think for sure we've already just uh, touched on this quite a bit in the last couple of minutes. But for me, the most important thing is how you talk to or or train your staff before you have a big incident. And as we all believe in fully front-loading everything uh, in summer camp, we spent time and training every year letting staff know how a crisis would be handled. We did a session called How to Get Fired, and we talked about what that would look like from the person's perspective, from the rest of the people's perspective who were left on staff. We discussed how hard it would be, what the expectations were of all parties involved. We would talk about what we could control in those situations and what we could not. So, you know, doing the circle of control, the one inside of this is the stuff I can control, this is the stuff I can't control. Um, and what, as Ruby alluded to, uh, as professionals, they would have to control like what they would say or how they would act, even though they would be really, really upset. And we also had a crisis management team in place every year. And some members did change according to who was on staff. But if you were returning each year, we had you stay uh, as much as we could in the same role. And we trained them about what would happen if there was a medical emergency or worse, a death as um, Ruby and those poor people had to deal with that year. We also had weather plans in place and we shared with staff what would happen if a tornado went through or a fire, those kinds of things. And it was important that they understood before the campers arrived that if hard things happen, they were expected to be professional, to put the campers first, as always. And also for them, they knew who their support people would be and who they could go to if they were finding the situation really difficult. We always talked with them specifically about not talking about situations. So how some things that could happen wouldn't be any of their business and that there would be certain times when they shouldn't ask questions, but they would be told whatever we could tell them in that situation and that would have to be enough. And that's a really hard thing when you're living in a residential camp setting um, because you really want to know everything that's going on and that we understood that that was hard, but that's what 
part of the job meant. We also made sure staff understood we were all about aligning our focus with the solution and not with the problem. So trying to spend, uh, expend all your energy on that. And we also, of course, spent so much time and put so much energy into intentionally building community in training that they trusted in one another and they knew that no matter what happened, people had their backs and it would be okay. So constantly reinforcing that concept of community through the summer, it makes everybody feel really safe and loved. And when you know you have that to rely on, it helps you face anything. So as Gab said, they believed what we believed. And so they knew that we would get through anything together. And I think that that helped. So really front loading it and being prepared, even if this stuff never happens, um, at least they know what to do when it does hit the fan. Great. Thanks, Beth. How about you, Gab? What do you do next steps? Um, at first, um, uh, if there's a tragedy that happened or if um, um, your staff are being unfavorable, uh, number one is check in with yourself and uh, see where you're at. Chances are you're ha- you're, you yourself are probably in some form of shock. And I think that uh, all camps should have an outside uh, person that's not involved in camp but understands um, you know, the workings of, of uh, residential camps, but uh, residential or, or day camp, but both have their own particular needs. Um, and a crisis manager is very useful to have mm-hmm. from the outside if you need to deal with media and they can guide you in those type of, you know, what to say and, not, and what not to say if you're writing emails. You let them see what kind of email you're going to send so that that does, doesn't come back um, later on to haunt you. And also uh, a person that you, that you can talk to so that you can just say, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm upset about, this is what I'm apprehensive about, um, so, that, so that the decisions that you make are clear and as well as you have it's a, it's a form of a buddy system, but somebody can also tell you, don't do it this way. It's not a good idea because X, Y, and Z. So if you can have that, that person, I, I think that uh, all camps should, and um, that if there is a situation that happens that you contact them, even if it's not for legal reasons. Um, and the next thing is to look at no matter what you do or what decision that you're going to make, it's going to have an impact uh, on your summer next year. And um, I helped with a, I helped a camp this summer that was dealing with a situation of alcohol on their site. Uh, and they were low staff and uh, two of the staff out of the five were leadership team members. Mm. And a couple of the board members did not want to get rid of the leadership team members because they didn't know how they were going to be able to run camp the, the last 10 days of camp, basically. And uh, when I talked with them and consulted with them we talked about the fear that the board is going through at the moment and the fear that it's going to get out Um, but it's not just about being able to hire good staff next year there's also um, legal issues with keeping people on your site that that where you have already policies set up in place uh, this can also uh, hurt the camp industry as a whole. Uh, so you're, you're looking at huge repercussions. And, and sometimes what we're looking at is what's happening right now, how, how I'm feeling right now, the pressure of the board, uh, parents. But stop for a second and look at what does next summer going to look like and how is this, how are we going to rise from this or how is this going to bring us down? And usually rising from this is is almost always the hard decision course. It's almost always 
the firing. It's almost always the begging your friends that you went to university with to come and help you. <laughs> that's right. uh, that that's the course that is probably what will set you up next summer for your the phoenix rising from the ashes if you will not to be too dramatic but but basically so that's the, those are the two pieces i would uh when you're talking to your when you're planning um and you're trying to manage your staff is whatever decisions you make what's going to happen next year and am i making the right decisions and then with the staff um, you're, you're being as transparent with them as mm -hmm. possible. And, um, and I always believe that, uh, if you can get them in on some of the decision-making, uh, that will have a positive impact as well. Yep. So one of the things that I would add here is, is when, uh, Gab, when you were talking about rising up is sometimes the harder thing to do. Um, I was having a brilliant conversation with a parent recently, talking about her son who has some behavior challenges, really good kid, but a lot of his behavior challenges stem from anxiety. And she made this statement and I thought it was really brilliant. She said, the more he gets away with, the more anxious he gets. And so us not holding those boundaries, it, it may feel like the easier thing to do at the time, but we have to fire those people or we have to enforce yep. the rules because that the message that it sends to the rest of your staff is is so terrifying if you don't. Um, so I just thought it was so brilliant. She said that, and I was like, oh, I have to write that down. Um, as far as additional points, as far as what to to support your staff or train your staff, I think one of the things is, like I said earlier, we tend to tell our staff this bad news or this information that we have to tell them, but then we have to jump right back in and get back to program and do our jobs. Mm -hmm. So finding some time to allow your staff to feel and process is really important. Um, and whether that's finding time for them to take breaks or creating a time as a staff as a whole, the next break. Um, and, and in that case, it may be worthwhile having outside, you know, medical professionals or mental health professionals come in to assist. Uh, and, and I think that's something all camps should have is some sort of mental health professional that's essentially on retainer, or at least that you can call and say, hey, I've got this thing going on and we need your help or I need some advice. Uh, if you don't have that already, I would definitely seek that out um, because that's something that was provided to us in the case of, of the, the death on our staff. Uh, but, you know, even for little stuff, if you think about somebody getting fired, that could really cause some trauma to someone if it's their best friend or mm -hmm. they feel a lot of guilt because they were the one who purchased the alcohol or whatever it might be. Um, so making sure that that message is there, that I'm willing to listen. If it's not me that you want to talk to as the director, let's get you somebody, but don't just fester on this. Even though we've just asked you to do that for the next 24 hours, um, we're going to create a space for you to feel and, and in that space, it's okay to cry or be upset or state your feelings. Um, that's okay. And, and we did it one time with a, a firing that we had. I had the staff down in, in a, a, a special place away from a normal place that we do training. I had them all close their eyes and just ask them a few guiding questions. And one of the questions was, you know, popcorn style, share how you're feeling right now. And people, you know, shared, I'm hurt, I'm scared, I'm frustrated, I'm upset. Um, and yeah, I feel betrayed and whatever else. I mean, it was, a, it was a sad, sad place where they were, but we were able to bring that around to, you know, what, what is good about this community? Let's share about that. And so at least it created some time for them to, to understand it's okay to feel and it's okay to be upset. 
Um, so don't ignore that <laughs> because we need to give that to our staff. Absolutely. Totally. Cool. Uh, well, does anybody else have anything to add on this question about training your staff, um, post an incident or talking to them afterwards? Yeah, I just have a couple of thoughts. Um, I think that, so after something difficult had happened at camp, cause we'd done all that front loading at training and we talked about it cause we're all really good directors. So we all do that. Um, but something bad happens. Like we lost power for five days. Um, and we lost all the food in our freezers and we had no water in the kitchen or the washrooms. And of course, after that, we did invest in generators. Um, but that was a hard lesson to learn. Um, or we had to fire people. Then we were really just reinforcing what they had already learned and heard from us during training. So it wasn't coming to them as a shock as to how to handle that. And of course, as hormonal and emotional young adults whose brains are not fully formed yet, did they need us to remind them of these things in detail during a crisis? Well, of course, um, but we managed. And I think as Ruby was just talking about, it's the, same, the same thing was for us, the hardest things we ever had to deal with uh, were firings. And luckily, we never had too many of them in our career, but a firing meant that we were breaking up that community, that one person or several persons had decided to put themselves and their wants above camps, above the campers and their fellow staff members. And there is that huge sense of betrayal that Ruby was talking about. So closing that void and repairing things after a firing for us was always harder than after a natural disaster or some sort of sweeping illness where everybody had the Norwalk virus or something like that. And having them be able to lean on those layers of support that you've created in advance and making sure that your leadership team, your head counselor, your unit heads, whatever you've got at your camp is taking care of people in their care. So it's not just you as uh, the director who's making sure people are okay. And um, in addition to giving them that open space to talk that Ruby was talking about, make sure that you've got time to rebuild that community. Remind them of all the good stuff you've done together. Spend time positively doing things together again and reminding them of who they can talk to when a crisis happens, who is their go-to person, having time for their wellness partners that we've talked about in other podcasts, um, listening to them, but also reinforcing all that stuff that you uh, taught them in leadership training, that they are professionals and that this is how professionals behave when it's a difficult situation, um, that your feelings cannot ever affect the camper's experience or further hurt the community in any way. Um, and as Ruby said, know what your limitations are. Um, if you know you needed to hire or, or bring in professionals who know more than what is part of your scope, then please do that. Uh, what we also learned uh, when we were, Gab was mentioning this was learning um, to have a team of alumni on standby every summer who we knew might be able to come in and help us. So we had people who we would contact and we would have this list. And if we ran into trouble, like somebody uh, had to go home because they broke their leg or people were sick or they got fired, um, that was an essential piece we learned to have. So we knew who to contact. Uh, I remember one summer at eight o'clock in the morning when our kitchen manager literally walked out the door, got in his truck and drove away and we never saw him again. We had to kind of deal with that because um, we had no warning that that was coming. Um, I think another key piece in a crisis is to, is to admit when you have handled it wrong, because sometimes you will. So when it's over and you're picking up the pieces and you're talking about what you've done well as a staff and what you would need to improve on if it happened again, and then getting valuable feedback from the staff who lived through it, apologizing yourself uh, if you need to, and showing your staff how a professional acts when they do make a mistake and making sure that they understand that that's not sort of the dead end, but it's just a little detour and we've hopefully learned some lessons from it. 
And I think remembering finally that as a director, when a crisis does happen, your people are looking for you to lead them. So spending the whole day in the office, maybe because you're just dealing with everything or you're on the phone or you're doing all that kind of stuff and not communicating with them is a really huge mistake. So take time to at least give them information, whatever you can, and reassure them that it will be okay because they will look to you for that guidance and for that direction and for that hope. And if there's a void in leadership, they're going to find that elsewhere. And that could be absolutely disastrous depending on who steps up to lead. Um, So your staff are your most important asset at camp. So you want to respond with competence and compassion and, um, you need to teach them how to care for the campers in their care by caring for them in a crisis and, and modeling that. So I think that's all I'd add. So important. Cool. Any other thoughts? Um, um, just to build on that. Have we talked about firing yet as a podcast? I don't remember. I don't think we so. Talk about it. We should talk about it. We should talk <laughs> we'll put about that it. on the list. I was going to say this is actually this is a huge this is like a part one part two type uh, conversation. Um, when it comes to firing, when it comes to letting staff go, um, we can talk about those steps and everything. But let's just say you're letting somebody go and they don't want to go, and you're letting them go, and now their friends are upset and heartbroken. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think the thing to remember is that. Um, that the people that come to camp, the ones that you hire, that you put a lot of energy and work into, um, they're also fast. Don't worry too much about their backlash onto you because um, the truth is, is that if you fired them, there are some very good reasons and they put camp at risk. And I, I, I know a lot of camp directors that are nervous to fire the popular person or uh, very well liked staff member because they're scared of a whiplash uh, effect uh, backlash story effect. And, um, and actually I, I would say one, you know, this is going to cause issues long-term that you just don't want to clean up. And second, um, when it comes down to it, that person put them in that position and, and you can, you can, you can listen to the staff, but don't let the staff put it on you as their frustration. And that's where learning healthy boundaries and mm-hmm. taking responsibility for your feelings and, uh, because I've seen camp directors become sort of a, um, a, well, a, a mat that people walk over because of other, what other people have done. And so you, you kind of have to say, well, this wasn't my decision. That's their decision. That's, you know, this was upsetting for, for all of us. I certainly didn't want to do this. So anyways, yeah. that's something we should talk about. Firing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good topic. On the list. Coming soon to a podcast <laughs> yeah. near you. Yeah. Well, and we'll we'll show you how you can get rid of somebody without even firing them. How to help them see the ways that this mm-hmm. is not the place for for them. That's a it's a really good technique to have. Well, excellent. Well, we are now at the point in the podcast where Gav recaps what we just Eesh. talked about. Take it away. All right. Um, so much, and some of it is a is a little somber. So I'm going to kick it off with this. Travis sometimes swears. Um, uh, you know, teach your staff to lock it up and be pros. Uh, let's make sure we build community at the beginning because trust is really important when tragedy um, strikes. Uh, make sure you have support around you and check in with yourself and your support staff. Um, feelings are real, y'all, and uh, we need to respect them. That's from Ruby. Um, 
we also we also need to provide transparency and information uh, and take ownership when we've messed up ourselves. I think there's a lot that was said today, and there's so much more that we can say. Um, I think I think for me to just really sum it up, um, this type of stuff happens whether it's within our control or not, and um, we all need support from other people. And so, your camp code family's here, and it's important to reach out when those things happen. So I know I've reached out and I've always appreciated it. And, um, you know, you're not alone in, in the camp family, uh, even though sometimes it feels that way. Absolutely. And I think to remember that any camp director, we always don't want to bother them in the summer because we know how busy they are. But if you called with a crisis and just needed a, a listening ear, they would be there for you. A hundred percent. We want you to get involved uh, with our podcast, In Crisis or Not, uh, and you can join us on the hashtag Camp Code by telling us what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests that you recommend we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you have to share. We'd love to hear from you because it's all about sharing in this industry. Also, if you found this podcast to be useful, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. You can do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore itunes or you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash camp code love that's all one word uh, your feedback really helps keep our show going and talking about feedback uh, we want you to know how to get in touch with us so gab how can folks get in touch with you you can follow me on instagram and twitter at gabrielle rail rail is two l's and you can also check out where i work at waro.com Great, thanks. How about you, Beth? You can email me directly at beth at gocamp.pro or you can find us at gocamp.pro or camphacker.tv and we're on Twitter with the hashtag camphacker. Great. And you can email me, ruby, R-U-B-Y, at greenriverpreserve.org. Follow me on Twitter, rubylynn85. I really like tweeting at conferences, so if you're ever not there, I'll tell you all the good stuff that's coming from it, (laughs) Uh, as well as on Instagram, rubyoutdoors. Uh, And hanging out on GoCampPro on uh, Insider Members area, so I'd love to chat with you there, too. So Beth's going to tell us about our next podcast. Our next one, we're going to talk about how to lead bosses and boards. So managing up how we can help those we report to, uh, to do their best work as well. Great. Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And we, again, would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or effective tips. You can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code. And today, Beth has our best practice. So this is just a continuation of the stuff that Ruby talked about earlier when she was mentioning having emails and all of that uh, written ahead of time in a crisis. Uh, I would highly recommend a crisis management plan. So have it all laid out on clipboards with copies of all those emails and necessary paperwork that Ruby was referring to with the appropriate forms on each person's clipboard. So they just know how to walk through it exactly and they know what people's roles are in a crisis and make sure they know what to do if you, the director, are the one in crisis. That's an important piece. So in our office, we had all the clipboards of the crisis management team, which was different than emergency procedures for us. Um, They were all hung on the walls very clearly and clearly labeled with the person's title. They knew the emergency 
team knew where we were to meet in the event of a crisis, and we just followed the outline of the plan. Um, and as Ruby said, when something bad happens, it's just easier to be prepared and to have practice being prepared. So have these folks meet as soon as possible after something bad has happened, even if it doesn't require forms to be filled out uh, or outside authorities to be notified or anything like that, but to all get together to decide how you are best going to handle whatever has happened. So there were six steps that we used to follow. That was, uh, the first one was to reconnect with that crisis management team. So everybody gather. Number two was to divide up the task and take care of everyone on site. So if it wasn't a, a big disaster or a big crisis, who was going to make sure the campers were taken care of, the counselors, the staff, all that kind of stuff, the kitchen people. Um, we were, who was going to, number three was reach out and communicate with everybody. Uh, if there were others that needed to be informed, parents or alumni. Uh, number four was keep staff uh, informed and obviously the campers if that was necessary. Um, five was talk to other parties, parents, if we needed to let them know. And six was um, to try to find the upside and to seize the opportunity that could be there. So I uh, was online today looking this kind of stuff up and I found one of the best um, recovery um, rebuilding tools on a very strange website, but it was the Missouri Business net website and they had a four-part article about recover rebuilding after a disaster and uh, they had a great communication plan for employees so having these people in place allows you to have all of those areas covered in a bad situation so somebody's taking care of the site if you have to turn off water or electricity or whatever might happen somebody's talking to your board somebody's informing authorities the health inspector or police uh, hospital ambulance somebody's talking to the press somebody's calling parents um, somebody's talking to the staff, somebody's dealing with the program and the campers. And, you know, for example, st somebody's telling staff that they can't call out um, or talk to people outside of camp in a crisis. So making sure cell phones are shut down, and, um, you know, if you had a really big crisis, so that you're not having that version or their own version of information get out, but rather that it's all coming through your designated staff member. Um, so just knowing who's in charge of those roles and that you've all practiced it during training will really help things go um, a lot smoother. And writing out those instructions of how they need to act and react, having those necessary forms with multiple copies, because sometimes after an emergency has happened and you've used the forms and you've sort of gotten rid of them, you don't remember to make copies in the summertime. So having multiple copies uh, ready at the beginning of the summer. And then you don't have to worry about panic and adrenaline taking over. You can just sort of follow the plan that you laid out when you were calm and when you were logical. So I develop your plan for sure and make sure you practice it uh, during leadership training and have lots of visuals to help people out. Awesome. And practice with your year round team too, because yes. especially if you're on site nine months of the year, even though there's way fewer people, it's a much longer amount of time when a crisis could occur. <laughs> so yes. not only just having the Absolutely. people on your summer team, but making sure your year round team knows what happens um, we do crisis drills as well with our year round team and our, our summer camp team. And it's, it's educational every time we do it. So right. <laughs> definitely recommend that. Sure. Very good. Well, excellent. Well, thanks so much for listening and please join us on the hashtag camp code. Please remember no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a camp hacker podcast, Please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. 
Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.